right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. I'm your host, Erin, um, and joining me today for the second time is uh, Carly Lane Perry. She, she is the senior editor uh, for TV at Collider. She has written about romance for Vulture, Pace Magazine, uh, and is a member of the Television Critics Association. Most recently, she wrote a book, uh, Regency Guide to Modern Life, which is available now. Thanks for joining me, Carly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. But before we get started on this book, which is like a doozy, and people have been clamoring for us to read uh, Lord of Scoundrels, to do Lord of Scoundrels for the podcast for as long as we've had a podcast or I've had a podcast. So, um, but first I want to talk about your book, The Regency's Guide to Modern Dating. And if you could just tell me a little bit about it and its genesis and how it's going. Yeah. Um, basically, it's like if Lady Whistledown from Bridgerton wrote an advice column instead of a gossip column. Um, <laughs> I was approached by a publisher actually from the romance newsletter that I was doing at the time. They had read it, really liked it, reached out to me. They were like, we have this idea for a book. We think you'd be a good fit for it. Um we also need it written in like four months <laughs> if you can do it. And at first I was not sure at all. And then I have to give a lot of credit to my husband and one of my close friends, who's also an author who basically heard the idea and were like, if you don't do this, you're crazy. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a whirlwind uh, four months of writing, editing, you know, coming up with silly ideas. I mean, it's a great illustrated book too. I have a great illustrator on it. Her name's Joe Podmore. And really, who really brought like the sense of humor and kind of silliness and lightheartedness that a book like that really needs. Um, I, I always say that the book wouldn't be the same without the pictures in it. So that's why it's always good. Uh, if you want to get a copy, I recommend getting a hard copy because the pictures are kind of what make it. Um, but yeah, it was really fun, you know, to basically write the perspective of a Regency era kind of agony aunt style character giving advice on modern day problems and thinking about how somebody from that time period would react to all of our, you know, kind of wild issues and things that we deal with on an everyday basis. And, and also just wanting to make it as inclusive a book as possible. You know, I mean, there, there are dating advice questions. There are family advice questions, friendship, you know, how to become your best self. We kind of tried to tackle different areas of what anybody's life would entail. So, and not even really just target it to a specific demographic. Although I will say it's probably a little bit more tailored to like young working professionals than anyone else. Um, but I, I think ultimately it was just, it was really fun to come up with kind of these modern dilemmas that she would have to engage with and also not always have an idea what they're talking about but then in writing it realizing all these mm -hmm. problems for all that they might take place in a different era or just universal um and so it kind of turned me into a temporary advice columnist in a way <laughs> i was like now i know what it feels like for people that have to write those like weekly columns uh with people that write in although i tried not i don't think there's anything as dramatic as what i read like on slate sometimes so <laughs> It's still pretty lighthearted overall. Did it make you want to be an advice columnist? Did you 
like enjoy uh, it? No, <laughs> I did. Well, I enjoyed it, but also like I was making up the questions and the an- and writing the answers to mm-hmm. them. So you get both sides of it. You know, people that do this for a living, I mean, God bless them don't necessarily know what kind of questions they're going to get asked at at any given point. And I had that knowledge going in as someone doing both sides of it. Um, But it was also fun to kind of shift tones between someone writing in like a more modern POV and then having to write in kind of the Regency lingo. That was also a really fun part of it. Did it make you want, have you written a romance novel? Would you be interested in it? Do you think? Um, I feel like I have ideas for them all the time. (laughs) I have, Mm -hmm. I have one that has been living in my brain rent free for a few years now that would be a Regency paranormal. I feel like now that I've like, I've written a book though, hopefully it'll be a little bit easier for me to sort of make the leap into fiction. Cause I do think to an extent Regency guide is, you're writing from the perspective of a fictional character. Um, right. And they also say that it's good to read in the genre that you want to write in. So <laughs> I feel like in that, along those lines, I'm, I'm, I've got it done as much research as I could possibly do. And so now the next step is to actually write Start. more, write more. I mean, I have like a basic outline and kind of everything. I actually have an idea for a series at this point, because I've come up with, so many kind of overarching plots in my head that my poor husband has been subjected to in the car on like long road trips. Um, I was like, what if uh, I, I literally the other day, I was like, what if I wrote a vampire Duke? Like, and then I called, what the book if you me. wrote a vampire Duke? I do love this idea. <laughs> and I think this is a, this is something that does need to happen. <laughs> a vampire Duke. I have like a werewolf Duke. And then I had an idea for a gargoyle Duke because they're kind of, but basically making like the aristocracy, if the aristocracy were all monsters sort of thing. And aren't they all monsters? <laughs> and aren't they all really? But <laughs> but from a romance perspective, they could be monsters to love. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. I think that sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, and speaking about monsters and Beelzebub, um so you this this started because listeners has been telling me that they want us to cover or me to cover lord of scoundrels forever and then i saw on twitter that you were diving into lord of scoundrels and i immediately was like will you come talk to me (laughs) um what made you decide to it's such like a a huge book in the genre what made you decide to start reading it when you did I mean, I, it's probably, it's funny because I think you almost have trouble finding someone who hasn't read it in Mm -hmm. our circle. Um, But I don't know. I I think it's because I was, oh, I remember what it was. So this brings it back to you. I was listening to that panel that you hosted uh, with everyone talking about Jessica Trent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was listening to it going, and I don't think it, it didn't spoil anything necessarily. You guys were all very careful not to spoil much, mm-hmm. but it piqued my interest. I was listening to it going, I mean, it was a great discussion first and foremost, but then I was like, well, I've never read Lord of Scoundrels. Um, so I just hopped onto Amazon and bought a e- copy of the ebook. I'm still holding out. I want to get a copy of the paperback, but I'm, I want to try and get an early edition because I love that original cover. So I'm on the mm-hmm. hunt for it. Um, 
but yeah, I just bought the ebook and it's like, I'm going to read it today. And then <laughs> people on Twitter were like, Carly's reading Lord of Scoundrels for the first time. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's how it started. I literally just remembered that now that it was that panel. I'm so happy that I inadvertently made all of this happen yep. <laughs> because yeah, I hosted a, a panel with the downtown Alliance about romance heroines and the only question, like they gave me a list of questions and the only question I had was like, I want to talk about Jessica Trent. <laughs> and so I just brought it up to start and that sort of kicked off the discussion. And that was with Sarah McLean and Adriana Herrera and Essie Soga. So it's like, it was a fantastic panel. It's on the feed if you haven't listened. Um, and yeah, so speaking about covers that are fantastic, these do have fantastic covers. So let's go ahead and judge them. So as far as I can tell, this is the original cover, which is, I call it the bed of flowers cover. Can you see it? It's, yeah. um, Jessica and Dane laying in a bed of flowers. It's like the most dramatic type font in purple. I love it. That's the one I want. Like I'm, there are some books that are kind of my white whale. Like for the longest time I was looking for a copy of Flame in the Flower, which is harder mm -hmm. to find in used bookstores than you might think. Just again, because it's such a, you know, iconic romance text and really kicked off a, a, a section of the genre. And then I finally found it and uh, I haven't read it yet. That's kind of on my like, We'll, we'll break that glass when I feel like reading an old, a very old school romance, even more so than this one is. Um, but yeah, this cover, if I can find it somewhere, I'm going to try and nab it for myself. I've really only seen, we're probably going to get to it, but the one with just Jessica on it. Yeah, this one, if honestly, if I could find a print of this, because apparently these also all used to be oil paintings. Mm. that's what Sarah McLean told me that they used to be oil paintings. And so they just had stacks of paintings and I'm sure I bet Loretta Chase has this oil painting, but if she wants to like send me a copy, I would <laughs> hang it like over my fireplace. Right. I'm just obsessed with it. Um, but yeah, this is the one that I think everybody has on their Kindle, which is just a more demure Jessica, a little less sexy sort of her in profile. And then I guess that's supposed to be Dane all the way out in the distance, which I, I, this is the first time I'm even noticing that, that tiny figure. Yeah. She looks like the way I would picture Jessica to look. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a pull quote from Julia Quinn. So this must have been later. Um, and yeah, this one says it was 2009. So it must have been a, must have been a reissue. Mm hmm. Um, I think it's fine. I don't know. I like I think I just love the clinch one so much. But with this one, we do get a step back, which is this one. Oh, that's nice, too, though. See, I, I, <laughs> I always get sad when I get a romance. And then have you ever seen the ones that have the fake step back? Like they have the edge that you think that you see how that pink edge is there. Mm -hmm. You think that's on the cover sometimes of a book. And so you think you're going to get a step back and you go to turn it and there's it's just the book. There's no step back in it. It's like a fake out. I cool. drives me it, I can't stand it. It drives me like, <laughs> why would you play these games with me? Um, so in that, I will say the step back, I think, kind of redeems this one for me because it does it that feels very 
uh, emblematic of the original cover too. Right. With the two of it's them the in the field. It's the same pose. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, if I found this, it is the same pose. If I found this one and it had the step back, because I don't think they all do sometimes, um, I wouldn't be mad about it either. No, it's a, it's, yeah, the inside cover is great. But I think the thing too about with Dane it's so hard to imagine what he looks like where he's like repulsive to himself and all the men around him, but women are losing themselves. And I just am trying to imagine, I think that committing that person to print is hard. Um, But before we jump into sort of talking about the book, do you, can you give us like a, a general overview of sort of what is the book about? (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) So I said this on Twitter too, but I mean, damn, if Loretta Chase doesn't know how to introduce a tortured, tragic hero, because before we even get any kind of page space dedicated to the main romance, we have to have this incredible prologue about uh, mm-hmm. Dane Marcus of, of, was it his name is Sebastian Ballister Marquis of Dane or something? Exactly. It's yeah. like, yeah, Sebastian Ballister St. And then, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, you know, he was born basically to parents that, I mean, it's clear that they didn't even really love each other to begin with. um, And was born kind of as an unfortunate looking baby and then was not only abandoned by his mother, but kind of cast out by his father, not really in the sense of casting him out you know, he never lost any of his money or his status, but his father never loved him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're like, already it's off to a very uh, distressing start for Dane. He goes off to boarding, <laughs> like he goes to boarding school. He gets teased, you know, because he's half Italian on his mother's side. And then that's kind of where he basically learns how to be this bruiser who fights back because he keeps getting so badly bullied by the other kids. And then just becomes this hulking like bastion of masculinity who is convinced that the only women that want to you know sleep with him are doing it because he pays them Mm -hmm. um so he so even before we meet jessica trent who's probably one of the best heroines to ever be written in the romance genre they've established that dane is like has had a pretty rough go of things from the beginning like he was never going to have he was never going to have a healthy outlook of life because his childhood (laughs) was just terrible. Um, And so the reason really that these two cross paths is because Jessica has concerns that Dane is a bad influence on her brother. So she's basically has, you know, his reputation precedes him. She thinks that he's kind of goading her brother into doing things that are basically causing him to lose money and like going out drinking and all this stuff. Um, and then don't, do they meet uh, at the, at the, it's the place where they're bit, she's bidding on the, um, the Madonna, right? Yeah. They meet in the antique shop. That's right. So yeah, her brother's obsessed with Dane and basically is following her around Paris. And so That's she, right. <laughs> And her magnificent grandmother come to Paris to try to basically like rescue Bernie. Bernie. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and then they meet, she meets Dane for the first time, basically in the antique shop. And 
he watches her haggle her way into bidding on this like it's like an icon yeah it's like a cameo like an icon painting a small painting that on the outside doesn't look much like anything at all and then come to find out that it's worth like a ridiculous sum of money and he let it slip through his fingers and and she was able to buy it for almost nothing and is probably going to flip it for (laughs) sell it for a fortune right and he's furious um (laughs) and that kind of kicks it off between them where they cross paths and they both can't stop thinking about each other really after that like i think they're both fixated on each other for different reasons she thinks he's handsome and dark and brooding and mysterious and he thinks she's infuriating but also you know wants to kiss her um (laughs) and and then it just kind of becomes a competition between the two of them which is really great like they're just running all over paris bumping into each other and berating each other in public and he's like sexily undoing one of her gloves in public because she you know dares him to do it and doesn't think that he's going to take her up on it so he does it in public and then only ends up making a fool of himself because everyone thinks that he's in love with her (laughs) um and there's like a running bet from his friends about whether like if they're going to get married or not which is really funny there's like a side bet um Mm -hmm. And then it all kind of comes to a head where they're at a party and they go off alone together and start to, well, does she kiss? She kisses him in the street before this, right? She hits him. Yeah. She beats him up and then <laughs> makes him kiss her. <laughs> I mean, it's also, we could just start talking about the book. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. at this stage. I wanna, it's like, well, I, yeah. I do want to, I do want to mention though, that like, they're basically the what really I mean they they had kissed before this like in the rain but then mm-hmm. they're at a party and um they get caught you know in a scandalous state and they each think that the other one like orchestrated some kind of circumstance to make it happen and so initially he doesn't want to marry her and basically protect her honor and then mm-hmm. she's like well if you're not going to do that, you have to pay me an allowance. Um, and then he goes, well, I'm not going to pay for what's mine. So let's get married <laughs> or something like that. Like there's a line where he's basically like, I'm not going to pay for what's already mine uh, or something. And then, and then they get married and like, that's, that kicks off like the whole second half of the book, which is we can, we can get to that part. <laughs> which is, yeah. Which is so good. But yeah, I think the, the way that this book starts off with such a like a an amazing scene that so encapsula- encapsulates both of those characters because Birdie is such a great side character because everybody just acknowledges that he's like stupid and useless yeah. and it's just nobody has any faith in him at all and when they're haggling over the icon y- you see Jessica as she's like thinking seven steps ahead she doesn't want to get married like it's established that people have asked her quite a few times and then she just keeps saying no she wants to start basically like an antiques flipping business okay in order to have money because she's tired of having to take care of her younger cousins mm-hmm. and yeah and then she immediately is in lust with dane which um is what she says to her grandmother Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the great side characters of this book for sure the grandmother's great i mean the fact that 
she buys her that dirty little <laughs> is it like a watch there's something in oh yeah that's why she's in the shop to start yeah, yeah. to buy her grandmother a watch and it's a watch of of a man going down on a woman right you open <laughs> it's like a birthday present i think for the grandmother mm-hmm. and everybody's so scandalized and jessica's like no she'll love it it's <laughs> it's a great it's a great scene though and she does i would call on loretta if she's would ever want to give us like a novella of the grandmother and the duke that she ends up with because i could read an entire book of just that woman Mm -hmm. she's so fantastic she's so funny when jessica comes home and says that she met dane and he's infuriating and she's she wants to she's in lust with dane um and her grandmother's like well then just sleep with him what do you like what's the problem right (laughs) and she's like you can't just like reel him in if he's a big fish and she's like no he's not a fish he's a shark and she's like then get a harpoon like just so down and i love the grandmother so much they kind of establish too that jessica's older Mm -hmm. um or at least old enough to think that she's gonna be a spinster like she's turned down enough marriage proposals at this point that she's not interested and then i think but i also think by that point she has been protective of her own status and so then later when she and dane get caught and he doesn't offer he doesn't immediately offer to marry her she's like what the hell <laughs> like just because right. i'm not just because i'm not marrying anybody doesn't want to doesn't mean i want to be seen as disgraced so then it's like, yeah. you have to do the honorable thing. And if you're not going to do the honorable thing, then I want I want your money, which is also iconic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And the second time that she and Dane meet when they're in the ice cream parlor, they send Birdie off and basically Dane invents a kind of cigar for him to go look for. And he's so eager to please Dane that she he's like, she, he's going to be gone for hours. And Jessica is trying to get Dane to leave her brother alone. And it's sort of this cat and mouse. But like you said, I mean, that scene where he undoes her glove and she's like, dares him to do it, knowing everyone will think that they're besotted. He does it because he thinks it'll embarrass her. Mm -hmm. But they both want to do the thing. Right. Is like a sexier scene of somebody removing a glove doesn't exist. You know, (laughs) one of my favorite, it reminded me of one of my other favorite kind of older romances, which is, um, judith ivory's perfect where the hero mm-hmm. has kind of a he has a thing for legs and he's he there's a whole scene where he like takes off the heroine's stocking and is just <laughs> worshiping her leg it's very it's like one of the sexiest things i've ever read that isn't an actual sex scene but that <laughs> but this felt like that where it's he's unbuttoning her glove and if you're picturing like this long glove that probably runs up to her elbow mm-hmm. given how many he talks about how many like pearl buttons there are on this thing so how long it's taking him it must be this long glove for how long it's taking him to get down to her wrist but then the whole time he's talking to her in italian mm-hmm. and and saying things that initially just start out as like talking about everything mundane and then actually become professions of love and like how attracted he is to her and how much he wants her <laughs> and you're like dane what did you think would happen like this? It's just so funny that they're, they're trying to one up each other. And, and he thinks that he's, that he's going to walk away from this and she's going to be the one that's embarrassed. And then instead everyone thinks that he's head over heels for her, which is the best outcome. (laughs) I know this is a genre of book that I love that it's just two dummies in love. Like they just cannot get over themselves (laughs) to admit what everyone around them can see. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, she goes, Dane, you know, ends up being angry about this. And then he, go- they, um, he's, he decides to throw an orgy, which is something that apparently he did like quite. Often. Oh, that's right. The orgy. Yep. Well, and he's and done it before. Shows- yeah. Like he's done mm-hmm. it more than one. I mean, that's the thing about this book that you're like, you have to just kind of accept the fact that this is a hero who boasts about sleeping with other women, but only in the way where it's interesting because internally, I think he doesn't think that he's attractive to women or that women really want to be with him. So there's this weird, like Mm -hmm. self-esteem, self-confidence problem that he has where he doesn't think any woman is sincere about her feelings. So it's funny how he kind of presents himself as this, seducer when at the same time internally he's like no woman will ever truly love me (laughs) like oh my goodness i know so broken Mm -hmm. and it's and i do love the thing about jessica that's amazing is that she just like doesn't allow those thoughts within herself where she's just kind of like obviously you're gorgeous obviously everybody would be in love with you like women all over the world are in love with you and i don't know i love that for for him and but yeah you have to kind of ignore that he's you know been sleeping with everybody for a long time (laughs) but also like she never wavers i think she's attracted Mm. to him and then that only becomes love eventually i mean spoilers if you're listening to (laughs) if you're listening to this you've probably read the book at this point but she never i don't think she ever gets less attracted to him she just gets more attracted to him as the book goes on even when there's difficult things i think it's more that she wants to see more sides to him than what he has to give her initially so then the more she gets the more she's like oh well then i really do want you it's not just lust (laughs) it's like everything right yeah and you mentioned about, you know, they get caught at the party making out in the garden. Each of them thinks the other one has that as a setup mm-hmm. and she demands the money. And he says to her, no, then shoot me. And then she goes home and she puts on a shooting dress with a black lace mantilla. And she shows up with, and there's like a, I think there's a, a sex worker on his lap when she walks into the room and she shoots him in the arm. Yep. And then goes immediately to the police station and is like, I shot him. <laughs> the best part is they don't really do anything. Like, they're like, no. well, she confessed. I don't know, you know, what. I mean, that's when they kind of meet to have their lawyers or whatever discuss terms, which is really funny. And like kind of figure out how to settle this whole dispute. But it's not like she really gets arrested or anything. She keeps demanding to be arrested. And doesn't one of his friends go with her and is like, we can just go, we can just go home. Like, why are we here? And she's like, no, I have to stay because I shot somebody. Yeah. And I just love it so much. And that's sort of when they end up getting married is because she, he's like, well, if I'm going to have to pay all this money for her, because now like sort of publicly I have to, then fine i might as well marry you mm-hmm. right which is the thing he, that they both want to her. be doing exactly mm-hmm. and then it and then the whole thing with his arm happens yeah. where he's healing but the arm doesn't work which is to me feels like an interesting metaphor <laughs> because 
there's a time later. Well, I, I feel like we'll get to that point, but there's, it's definitely tied to something. It's, it's more psychological at that point than physical for why his arm doesn't work. Yeah. Because his arm, uh, yeah. Cause the doctor's like, it should work. Yeah. And Jessica's even like, I'm an amazing shot. And I made sure to not shoot him in a way that would permanently <laughs> damage him, which is like, Jessica, how, <laughs> but <laughs> Anyway, so it's it's paralyzed for most of the book. He can't utilize it. Yeah, he has feeling in it. Like he's they talk mm-hmm. about how he can feel things and but then he has to wear it kind of in a sling so he doesn't hurt the arm because it's just dead weight hanging off the side of his body even though he has sensation, he just can't he can't move it around or do anything with it. Which also is one one of my favorite scenes happens where they go for the carriage ride and she starts telling him about the nighty that she bought for the wedding night and he like loses his mind <laughs> and they start making out like in public he like pulls her into his lap because he's like jessica he like he does he does he does the jessica growl and because she tells him it's yeah. like silk and red and stuff and he like loses it <laughs> oh yeah and it's lace over her boobs mm-hmm. and yeah, because he's like, you just have to be naked. She's like, oh, I'm just naked. Then I guess I'll have to, like, he keeps trying to scare her with a good time. Right. Where right. he's like, you're going to be naked for the first week we're married. And she's like, tell me more. Okay, then I'll just return the nighty, the negligee that I bought. Yeah, the expensive and then, Yeah. Yeah. He pulls her into his lap. It's amazing. He also refuses to wear a sling because he says it ruins the line of his jacket. That's right. Yeah. Which is fantastic because he is very vain for also thinking that he's the ugliest Mm -hmm. they they also call each other awful names the entire like she calls him lord beelzebub and he calls her i don't know all of these like Like termagant and you know (laughs) oh gosh there's the one quote that i found yeah she says i love these pet names nitwit sap skull termagant how they make my heart (laughs) flutter (laughs) and then there's a part where she calls him uh what does she call him oh a drunken jackass at one point and he says i didn't give you leave to use my christian name which is such a great <laughs> the banter in this book is so good just the oh two, my God. they're so they're so funny with each other um but yeah i think i think the one thing you and you kind of touched on it too is this in the scene where well he already thinks that he's ugly but then in thinking about the wedding night, he's like, I'm worried that I'm going to crush her with my giant big body. She's so small. <laughs> I'm so big and brutish. Right. Like, I'm so big and brutish. What if I get on top of her and she and I kill her? Like, it's a genuine fear that he has going into. That he has talked himself into. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, and then meanwhile, she's like, when is he going to get on top of me? Like, that's all she can think about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well he gets too pissed drunk the first night when they're at like an yeah inn. well okay so they and then yeah right they go yeah. to the inn and he runs into a friend of his from school there one of his old mm. uh childhood bullies and the bully thinks that jessica is a sex worker like someone that he's paid mm-hmm. for the night and he introduces him jessica to him as his wife and the guy's like, no, you know, he's already drunk. So he's like, no, no, she's not. You know, you're just, <laughs> you're just messing with me, Jane. Like, that's not, you know, there's yeah. no way. And Dane, you know, he's like, oh, he's got to, she's got to be, you know, someone that you've paid. And he's like, disrespect my wife again, and we can take this outside. And then he just doesn't 
shut his mouth. So Dane's like, all right, we're going to go fight in the courtyard real quick. Mm -hmm. So so Jessica's up in their room and looks outside and Dane has stripped down shirtless, like stripped down to the waist. And I think that's one of the, another time where she's like, oh my God, like get in me. (laughs) (laughs) She she wants him. I remember reading that scene and I'm like, she's so horny for him. And then seeing him with his shirt off, it's like, a whole nother she's losing it yeah and then but then they have a couple they throw a couple punches and it's you know all over and kind of in good fun and whatever they they settle their differences he gets the apology but then he's so he's so anxious about going upstairs to jessica that he basically goes down he stays down in the pub with all the guys and gets plastered (laughs) so she's waiting for him to come up and so they can consummate the wedding and he doesn't he when he finally shows up he's drunk and so she has to like take his boots off for him and put him in bed and he's Mm -hmm. smelly and you know wasted and she's like well this is disappointing (laughs) (laughs) i also love during the fight too you know dane is thinking oh, she's going to be so repulsed. I'm such a brute. And now I'm brawling. Right, this that's right. And he doesn't hear her yelling from the window, like hit him harder. Yes. Like he's, he's favoring this side, like right. yelling she's out. Encouragement. Him on. Yeah. She's cheering <laughs> him on. And he looks up and sees her in the window and he thinks that the look on her face is like disgust. And yeah. instead she's and like, go honey, get him. <laughs> yeah. Destroy him. Yeah. And then she talks about, yeah, how they just drink afterwards because they immediately forget that they were fighting. Mm-hmm. And then the sec and then so they end up back at his estate and she basically has to like throw himself herself on him in order to finally consummate the marriage. And immediately after he's like, What was I thinking? Like, of course that was gonna work. Like right. what like my fears were all unfounded yeah exactly but then it becomes the which i this is one of the things i love in historical romance especially is when they do sleep together and this is where i feel like it's kind of it almost kind of leans into marriage of convenience territory where they do sleep together but they're not in love yet so like Mm -hmm. love has to come later and so this is almost where you get the second half of the story really is we're married, but now what, like, what, what are right. we, what, how do we fit into each other's lives? You know, they're not in Paris anymore. They're in London. So it's like a complete setting shift to well, not London, but it's like, you know, wherever his estate is, it's not Paris anymore. Um, <laughs> it's a bit, the countryside. Yeah. It's yeah. Like in England, they're like in a completely different place than they were before. And there's, less people fewer people around i mean they have servants and whatnot but they're definitely more in each other's space than they had been and so then it's the well now we're husband and wife but we have to navigate that too because this is a completely different relationship for us you know and then it becomes the like the fighting while they're married and like the one time where she just decides she's going to agree with him for a day just to mess with him no, she does it for a month. Oh, it was so, really a month? Okay. Yeah. So before that, <laughs> she, like, after they have sex for the first time, she's like, listen, I'm never doing that again. And he's horrified because he's like, all my fears are coming true that this woman who I love, and that was a great experience for me, it was a hard experience for her. And she's like, if you want me to come to bed, you have to seduce me. I can't be putting myself out there like that again. Like, you're okay. ridiculous. And he's That's like, right. okay, great. And then they're, they have sex everywhere constantly. 
And then I forget what sets him off. Is it hit the picture of his mother that he gets upset about? She finds a picture of his mother and wants to put it in the dining room and get it cleaned up and is sympathetic to her. Yeah, I think so. And he has a lot of unresolved issues with his mom because he thinks that she left him because she didn't love him or something. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he... It's interesting because Dane's relationship with... He has mommy issues. Let's just get that out there. Of course. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he was left by his mother who ran off to go be with, like, a lover because she and his father hated each other. And then... But then, like, he learned Italian as a way to stay close to his heritage and that side of himself through her. So it's interesting. It's like... He clearly has some level of feeling for his mom, but it's complicated as everything with Dane is, you know, it's not, it's so, it's not straightforward. And I think it's an interesting, the fact that he learned, he purposely learns Italian as kind of a way to stay connected to his mom, like makes it more, it makes it less straightforward than just, oh, he hates his mother for leaving. And I think he was also poisoned by his father mm-hmm. who hated his mother. Right. His father was older. She was very young. Yeah. I think it would have been difficult for her. And Jess is the first person who, you know, seeing the portrait of his mother starts to realize to, to have him believe that maybe that wasn't the whole story. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she was very young. Maybe she was scared and she fell in love and she knew that she couldn't bring a little boy to the West Indies. And she knew you'd be taken care of here and just allowing for there to be a little bit of a different narrative for him around his mother. Mm-hmm. Cause his father just said like, Oh, she was a slut and she ran off and she's a Jezebel and she's going to hell. Right. You know, the dad is a piece of work. Yeah. But I, I would, <laughs> it might be the painting. I can't remember what, what fight it is that she basically is like, well, I'm just, just for that, I'm going to agree with everything that he's, that he decides. I didn't, I forgot it was a month. I thought it was like a week or something. I know. Cause I, I reread it. Cause this is my third time reading it mm-hmm. now. And I read it and I was like, I can't believe she keeps this up for so long. Yeah. To the point where, where he basically gets, like he gets unsettled. He's like, I don't like this. <laughs> this is not yeah. Jessica. This is not my wife. <laughs> Because he loves the banter and she's just like agreeing with him, chilling. I mean, he does. They do say that like when it comes to sex, like she's still into it and that's the same. But everything else, it just drives him insane. (laughs) Um, Maybe it was the boxing match that he wanted to go to a boxing match again to try to avoid having sex with her when they first got married. And then they have Um, sex in the graveyard. (laughs) oh yeah they, he like he they go to the it's like the graveyard or something and then he takes her out of there because he doesn't like it he doesn't like that she's in that space i think and then mm-hmm. they have sex in the graveyard <laughs> um but the thing that kind of breaks it is and and you know obviously we're in dane's point of view for some of it and we know that he was almost trapped into a marriage before that he walked away from. And also that he does have like an illegitimate son that he knows about, Mm -hmm. but who he's been paying for. And they're at church one day and the little boy runs to Jessica Mm -hmm. and we're in Dane's point of view. So we don't know what the boy says. And then charity graves, the woman that he had the child with is there like making a scene 
And he's worried because he thinks Jessica is going to be like horrified that he ever, she ever had to lay eyes on her, his son who looks exactly like him. And so it's all kinds of like issues that I'm sure do come up when you have a child about like, you know, who they are in the world. And Jessica immediately is like, no, I love him. I I want him. He needs to come home with us. I think if anything, she's more mad that he didn't tell her that he had a son and that he's not willing Mm -hmm. to claim him. I think yeah. maybe that's even more than than her not knowing. It's more that she's like, why wouldn't you claim this child? Like, you know. And then it's also pretty clear that Charity has no interest in actually being a mother. <laughs> Which Charity's pretty bad. Pretty there's a lot of bad moms in this book. Yeah, but great grandmothers. I, I was gonna say, I almost like I you can almost forgive Dane's mom because she was kind of in a difficult situation but then with charity it's too there, there's a point where you're like well she's just trying to get money like she doesn't care yeah. about this she left she leaves this child at one point to die basically mm-hmm. <laughs> like so i don't i that's where i'm like it, it it feels a little mustache twirly with her sometimes but i'm also like you know that like the evil ex trope that I think is sometimes common in the you know in books like these where you have to really demonize like the past lover. Um, yeah. And so to that end, I'm like, you're not really supposed to be sympathetic for her, but the book doesn't also paint her in any kind of flattering light either. Um, even though I think Jessica really tries to understand where she's coming from and her position and what she's been through. Like Jessica has a lot more compassion for her than I think Dane does or like other characters do. She tries at least to be nice. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously like Dane has a lot of issues with women for sure. And I think with charity, she got the idea that having a child by a noble guy would mean that she would get a lot of money every year. And it didn't quite work out that way. And she had had Dominic, her son live with someone else. Like he was being raised by somebody and then that woman died. And that's kind of what kicked off her trying to come back and get more money for, for him to take care of him. But yeah, I, she's in a desperate situation, too. And I think it was probably hard to be, I don't know, somebody like her back in the day. You didn't have, there wasn't a lot of, like, revenue streams available to her, probably. Yeah. but Other also, than yeah. extortion, I guess. But then you're also, like, at one point, Dominic's just, like, feral. <laughs> mm-hmm. He comes off as this feral child. And that's when you're, like, okay, if she wasn't raising this this boy, who was? Like, he's he's dirty. Right. He's, like, dirty. He's screaming. He's, like, running around the village causing chaos. And nobody's really saying anything because they know that he's Dane's son. And so mm-hmm. that's, I think, what, what gets Jessica involved is she's like, well, someone has to do something about this little feral child running around, <laughs> like, doing yeah. things, you know? And I think she understands that he's hurt. She understands his emotions immediately. And she's been acting as a, like a governess to her mm-hmm. younger male cousin. So she's like, I know what these boys are like and they're, they're lunatics. And <laughs> right. so she goes to charity and is basically like, all right, what do you want for the boy? And charity wants the icon. Mm. And so this is when Jessica finally brings Dane into the mix because she's like, well, she's asking for your icon. But I think if you go, like, you have the parental rights. But either way, I'm getting this child. So either I'm going to give her the icon or you can go. 
I was gonna and say Dane reluctantly. Yeah. yeah. But how does she find out about the icon? It's because of um Dane's friend, isn't it? The one who's working with her. Oh yeah. I can't remember his name. The one who's kind of ends up being a a bit of an accomplice and who Jessica like beats the crap out of <laughs> later because he tries to steal the icon like from their house basically um i can't remember his name it's terrible now let me see if i can try to find it but yeah so then dane goes to collect his son basically and finds he's very ill because he has a bad reaction to the laudanum that his mother was giving him. Yeah. They give him laudanum, I guess. And then it's, it's almost like he overdoses, I think, or they Mm -hmm. overdose him. And then Dane gets there and he's like really sick. I mean, to the point where he basically, all he does is really throw up on him. Um, But then I think this, that's the point where his arm starts working again. (laughs) right yeah because dominic opens his eyes and he's like papa or something he calls him he calls him his father and dane realizes that i believe he realizes his arm is working again when he can pick up dominic and hold him in his arms and carry him out of the like they're in an inn that they'd been like renting a room out of and he can carry him out with both arms um yeah that's the moment it's it's love <laughs> exactly well he has been spending all this time with dominic and like taking care of him and bathing him and feeding him mm-hmm. and you know finally he's you know in clean clothes and has stopped vomiting and is clean and is tucked in bed and he goes to eat with his um with his like driver assistant guy and he picks up his knife and his fork and he's like, what the fuck? That's like, right. Again, That's right. The fork. Like a pope. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, I guess I've been using this arm the whole time. And I just did not realize. Mm-hmm. So what do you think that's about with the paralysis of the arm and when it comes back? I mean, I do think it's about, it's about love in some ways, you know, or maybe even Dane realizing that like, he can care for someone else and maybe he couldn't he couldn't he had to be outside of himself long enough that you know caring for someone who de- was dependent on him because i think to an extent jessica's so independent and mm-hmm. never really needed dane in that way that dominic does like dominic is so helpless in, in that moment and not on the verge of death but like really sick and and also a child, you know. Right. And I think like, Dane like steps up in the moment, you know, and then realizes mm-hmm. he needs to, you know, maybe it's maybe it's him subconsciously being like, I need to be at full capacity to care for this child. And then and then it just starts working. But again, I think the whole thing is like a psychosomatic. The reason it's not working is it's just in his head. And then he needed yeah. the right he needed the right thing to just unlock his ability to like use his arm again. And it's and it's his son. And it's his son calling yeah. him dad and stuff. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, and also so much about Dane is him feeling sorry for himself, which is he does that a lot of the book where he's, you know, thinking about he thinks about his childhood. He thinks about sort of being abandoned and he finds himself to be hideous and all these things. Um, And so I think that, like you said, it's like him getting out of his body for the first time where he's not feeling sorry for himself. And instead he has to like give all of himself to somebody else. He's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, and it immediately starts working. 
I don't remember if we talked about this while we were recording or before, but something else that about Dane that is so funny to me is how, yeah, how Jessica is like, you're the most attractive man. Like you have to be when we're in public, like, don't embarrass me by like, you know, encouraging the women who are swooning after you. And he's like, I'm so beastly and ghastly. Um, I just love that difference because what I feel like what heterosexual women find attractive in men and what men think men are attractive are so diametrically opposed. It's just interesting to me because I get why Jessica thought Dane was hot. Yeah, I think I feel like Loretta Chase does a good job. <laughs> it's funny because I don't know if she was necessarily trying to just to talk about the female gaze. But I feel mm-hmm. like the way that Jessica looks at Dane, thinks about Dane, enjoys Dane physically, you know, from a visual mm-hmm. point of view. Like this, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where he is getting into the fight outside of the inn and he takes his shirt off and she's looking at his body with its corded muscle. And, you know, even though he can't use one arm, he's still this mm-hmm. like magnificent specimen or whatever. Um, and I feel like it's it does such a good job of capturing. Like, I think I think what you see a lot of the time with like het women is like being attracted to men is it's like the, fixating on very specific details about them. And with Jessica, I feel like she's always fixating on like specific details about Dane. Like she like she talks about how she wants to kiss his big, beautiful nose at one point or something like yeah. that. Like there's little there's little things about him that she fixates on little tiny details that I think are really really interesting um and again i think the more that she is emotionally connected to him the more attractive he becomes to her like it once it it starts to move beyond lust it's not like she's less attracted to him she's like i want him all the time (laughs) (laughs) right it's not so bad um and yeah and so then when when dane is on his way home with his son charity's accomplice we can't remember his name but he <laughs> sets he's the less ca- important he sets, yeah he's just kind of like a guy he sets the uh ha- the carriage house on fire so everybody runs out of the house so he can go in and steal the icon because they've decided that it's worth like twenty thousand pounds mm-hmm. and maybe it is and maybe it isn't i guess um and jessica has come back in the house because she wants to make sure she's there when dominic brings uh when dane brings dominic home because she's assuming that he's going to be like scared out of his wit she doesn't realize sort of this magnificent transition that has happened in her husband and instead finds him trying to steal the icon and she beats the shit out of him yeah like almost <laughs> kills him she's slamming his head against the floor against the stone yeah floor it's crazy it's amazing and it only stops when dane finally comes home sees her and just picks her up off of him before he can (laughs) can kill him it's so good i mean it's one of those things where i'm like in any other romance novel like she'd be at gunpoint you know held up Mm -hmm. dane would have to be the one to swoop in and knock this guy out on cold but instead jessica gets to be the one to take him on herself you know save herself and then maybe gets a little too she's a little bloodthirsty i'm like i'm realizing yeah. this now between between wanting to watch dane like beat somebody up and then 
<laughs> beating another guy. I'm like she's a little bit, she has a little bit of that bloodthirstiness in her too. It's okay. Oh yeah, shooting Dane as well. That's true. How can gosh, how can I forget? I still, I'll never, I'll never be over reading that scene for the first time because I was completely unspoiled for it. And then, I think the chapter just ends with, and then she pulled the trigger or something, and you're mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> And then I was like, well, I have to read what happened. I can't go to sleep now. I need to find out what happens. Like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> oh, 100%. Um, and this book was written in 1995. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before about this book in the time that it was written, you know, and how it is a, it's a specific kind of uh, book and story that I think is like, not being written as much anymore as far as like the 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 constant like one upping of the action um yes it and it feels both very modern and of its time at the same time yeah i mean i talked about this before but i feel like with some historicals especially i mean even to an extent in contemporary there's a certain drama level that gets introduced into the book and you kind of know what to expect. And then around like the 75 or 80% mark, something really wild and crazy happens. And it just gives mm-hmm. me reader whiplash. Like I'm like, whoa, what? You know, it, mm-hmm. it hasn't been it hasn't been played out in the background enough to an extent that it feels earned in a lot of ways. It just kind of feels like, oh, they had to throw in a external obstacle to, you know, move make this make the ending really exciting. Like someone gets kidnapped or you know, mm-hmm. someone's held for ransom or which is kind of the same thing. But um <laughs> but I feel like the difference with Laura Scoundrels is that she starts the place, starts at a place that I think is really engaging and really moves with especially with Dane and Jessica's banter and kind of their whole thing, and then just keeps escalating it. Like mm-hmm. the two of them kissing for the first time you know the them getting caught at the party her shooting like them getting married you know and, mm-hmm. and it just keeps she keeps throwing more and more at it and i think in the hands of another author it might feel like trying to fling too much spaghetti at the wall to like see what sticks but i think i don't know it works for me like it just it didn't feel like too much it didn't feel like it was drama for the sake of drama like it felt it was just fun and it also felt appropriate for who the characters were too because they're just i mean dane especially is like so extra so of course he was, <laughs> of course he was going to be dramatic to the end um but i just really feel like it's it it's doing a lot of interesting things with putting putting the book in a place where you kind of start feeling like there's a rhythm to it and then it keeps bumping up the tempo like okay we're gonna throw this in and this and this and then it's by the end you're like oh and there's a house fire and it doesn't feel out of place you know jessica beating a guy you're like oh yeah this makes sense this is where we're at you know this tracks for her character she would beat somebody within an inch of his life especially like they establish him as kind of like a weaselly, like dandy guy where you're like, uh, yeah, Jessica could definitely take this guy on. Yeah, exactly. And by that point, you're, you've spent so much time with her that it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't feel out of character for her to do that. 
Yeah. And the banter of this book is top tier. Like, I can't think of a better banter book as far as just, like, readability and the amount of fun that you have just reading these two talking to each other. Like, it could be a 600-page book, and I would have read every page. Oh, it's so good. I'm looking looking at quotes. I'm like, (laughs) what's a good quote to read? I also love the part at the uh at the ball where she has a fan with all the names of the guys that are going to dance with her written on it and then he just takes the van and just starts like ripping the ripping the pieces off breaking this he's like snapping the um uh what do you call it? the little wooden sticks that are <laughs> that have the and they have yeah. the guy's name she had like tried to save two dances for him and then she was like he's not coming whatever that's right and she gave the dances away and then he's like the guy is, it's just, it's so visual. The man is like walking to claim his dance and Dane just takes the fan and breaks off every like arm of it. And it's like my dance. Yeah, he's, and then he stares he's the guy down. Dancing. He stares the guy down, snaps the, the stick that has his name on it. And then the guy just walks away like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Like I want an Adapt and obviously I want more romance adaptations like kind of across the board, but like this I feel like would be such an epic movie mm-hmm. and or whatever limited series or something. But I'm just like, why why can't we have this? Right. <laughs> I want it so bad. I feel like I am encouraged though. I feel like I hear about a new adaptation of something happening like almost every week. Like they mm-hmm. just announced, um, and Emily Henry is getting a movie, the book that book lovers. But I also feel like there's there's so many other ones that I've heard about. Um, I just saw a trailer for one. They they turned that book, The Flat Share, into a movie, which has oh yeah, I haven't read it, but I saw the premise. I was like, well, that's super cute. So it's cute. We did it for listen. You can listen to our episode on the <laughs> I'm I'm helping with plugs. I didn't even realize it. But yeah, I do feel like I do feel like I'm seeing more and more. It's just, you know, unfortunately it's always a long road to when things get acquired versus when they actually come out. Although I am excited for Red, White, yeah. and Royal Blue. I think that's gonna be another cute another cute one. There's a lot. There's a lot to look forward to, but I agree. I think more historical romance novels uh being adapted like we got mr malcolm's list but i want and bridgerton and stuff like that but i want more right i mean all these adaptations are great and obviously i'm not going to say no to red white and royal blue or any of those that you mentioned but like yeah i want more historicals because mr malcolm's list she wrote like in tandem like she wrote the script and the book at the same time or or close together and then you know obviously Bridgerton is great but I just want like I just want like a Merchant Ivory like full camp 100% lean into it version of like Lord of Scoundrels or there's a few books that I think would just be the most fun you know see we need to like start a production company where we just adapt (laughs) romance novels like that's my dream i'm like i want like i want to just have a have a production company that only does romances and that's it (laughs) yeah if anyone wants to give us a hundred million dollars i think 
we could really we could we could give you a good couple things for that money and so you know we're available <laughs> we have ideas we put it together i'm saying i like i want adam driver as dane i think he would absolutely slaughter that part and i feel like he has the obviously he's a good enough actor for it but i think he would like have fun with it too yeah he has the nose <laughs> he has the he nose, has the nose. I saw someone say, I saw someone say Dave Bautista for Dane, but I do feel like the body type is what I envision Dane. Like Dave Bautista's whole, how big he is. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, he's just so meaty. Big. Yeah. And like, that's kind of the body type that I, like, I feel like if it was going to be Adam Driver, he he would have to bulk up a little more. (laughs) He needs to get like, he needs to get like Last Jedi. muscular again to be dane he's got to be the kind of guy that you would believe like spent his childhood just boxing and getting into fights all the time and Mm -hmm. had his nose busted and everything (laughs) i like dave batista this is a new one for me but i am into it i think he might be like a little old but yeah i have no idea you could tell me dave batista is 22 or 50 and i'd be like okay (laughs) he's no sense of how old he could be he might be a little old for dane but i I feel yeah. like someone similar to that in terms of body type would be who I like that. That was kind of who I pictured, not necessarily specifics, but like that, that musculature. I was like, oh yeah, he's probably yeah. built like that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if there are any wrestlers that are like particularly good actors, we can get them in. Cause yeah, it needs to be just like an insanely giant man. Right. A man that's worried about crushing his wife. <laughs> during sex a man that's like if i let if i get on her she will be crushed between my giant giant body yeah that's it that's all we need we'll put out a worldwide search for our production company when we Mm -hmm. are making this movie loretta chase if you want to give us the rights we'll help you out yeah we'll protect it we'll be good just kidding um yeah i think do you have any like last thoughts about the book or the overall thoughts or? Oh man. I mean, overall, I think I, th- I had said I was going to live tweet it and then I didn't, maybe I didn't promise that. But uh, I remember when I finished reading it though, I did go on Twitter afterwards and I was like, I get it now. Like I get mm-hmm. why, I get why the book is iconic. I get why it's beloved by so many readers. I really think that, to me, it's surprising that it was written in 95 because there's there's just so much about it that really holds up still. I mean, there's some things that don't, but obviously that's usually the case with a lot of things that are written, you know, of a time. But I think there's a lot of what Loretta Chase was trying to do with the book that it, the fact that you could read a heroine like that now, especially, mm-hmm. I think Jessica is like, really feels like the ancestor for a lot of the heroines that we see now, especially in historical. Agreed. Yeah. Jessica really is the, the prototype for those kinds of heroines. And I love her so much because she's so smart and she so has a specific point of view and a way of moving about the world that also feels it feels modern, but it also feels 
in place for where she is. Um, uh Oh, did I lose you for a second? Oh, there you are. Um, it, oh, yeah. It also, yep. <laughs> it also feels like, like she's of her time. And I think sometimes the difficulty for romance authors today is to have their heroine be somebody that we can relate to now, but who also still feels like of her time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Jessica is that so perfectly. Cause I also feel like there's a way to write a historical heroine that, I mean, people can argue, you know, if something is true to history or not all the, until they're blue in the face, the fact that, we're all anybody anybody writing in regency now is usually going by a a slate of made-up rules anyway <laughs> so it's like we're already existing in a fantasy version of historical so do what you want um mm -hmm. i i think but i do think it's it's one of these things where you read a heroine like that and it's surprising that it was 95 like she does read like somebody that you could read you could find in 2023 which i think mm -hmm. is really cool um but yeah she's great i i would like more books where the heroine shoots the hero if anyone has yeah. <laughs> if anyone has those <laughs> recommendations please send them to me i am always here for i mean a stabbing is also acceptable some kind of injury you know just like <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And I love that that's also something that, like, I guess now we've spoiled it. But, like, that does, is kept a little bit under wraps for, like, the larger community. Like you mentioned, when we did that panel, I think half the room had read Lord of Scoundrels. And we were like, okay, we can't, we can't disrupt this many people's idea of, of what could happen in this book. Because her shooting him is such a profound and shocking thing to have happen that it's so much better if you have no idea that it's coming because there's also nothing in the book that is hinting to that being a possibility yeah <laughs> until she just does it it's fine just slap it but look anybody who chooses to wait into this episode just at the top be like we're going all in so if you yes we be always spoil the books yeah <laughs> um read lord of scoundrels first yes. for the love of god oh my yeah gosh. look it's one of those books where i read it and i thought I wish I could go back in time to the, the person I was right before I read it so I could read it again like that's how <laughs> that's how great it was so I do have to say because I this is this was my third time reading it you still are shocked somehow I know it's coming <laughs> and still I'm like I can't fucking believe it she shot him yeah <laughs> you know it you still discover things or it's 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 a book that does really hold up to rereads mm -hmm. so if you want to go back go for it yep uh, maybe i'll wait a year and then it'll give me just enough time to forget certain things and then i can just be shocked mm. all over again shocked and delighted yeah. awesome um i'm trying to decide because like in the old iteration of learning the tropes we would do like goodreads list and tropes mm-hmm do you want to do those? Should yeah. we should we keep that in or should we? I don't mind doing it. Oh. All right. So let's do it. So first we have the Goodreads lists. So best rogue rake romance books. Okay. But do you feel like Dane is a rake? Because I don't. No. Yeah. I think, I think to me a rake is categorized by someone with better 
usually better self-esteem. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes I think the rake is acting the way that he does because he has some other kind of issue in his life. But I do, I don't, Dane doesn't strike me as a rake, to be honest. I think he's too no. damaged. <laughs> I think he's, he's just too, I don't know. He's too tragic to be a rake in a lot of ways. So. I agree. And also a rake is charming. Yeah. And like Dane is charming to Jessica because she's also like warped and they're warped in the same way that she finds it charming, but like, he's not like overly charming. So I would say, I don't think it deserves to be on this list. Yeah. Um, villain as romantic love interest. Oh, is that for, uh, the guy who I can't remember? <laughs> no, I guess not. I mean, but do you think Dane is a villain? I don't know if that's no. right either. Mm. I don't think he's a villain. No. He also like, has questionable attitudes towards women and his own child. Yeah. But if we say romance reasons, he's damaged and that's why, then I think, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say that he's a villain. He has just a lot of unhealthy views that are partly a product of unresolved issues that he has not fully dealt with. But I also think that he's, he's better by the end of the book. So <laughs> he, he needs the growth period. Exactly. And he ends up loving his son very much and being close to him. Mm -hmm. um, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Definitely. Um, humorous, best humorous historical romances. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, for the banter alone, it's funny. It's so, it's so funny. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, Love-hate relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Um, scars are sexy books with imperfect disfigured or disabled heroes oh yeah well I guess you could argue that Dane thinks that he's disfigured but he's not really I think he's just more of not he's just not conventionally attractive and then the arm thing yeah I, I guess I, guess it's I was just gonna say there's a part of me that's like I guess he's gonna carry that gunshot scar in his shoulder for like the rest of his life which is kind of hot <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like a little it's like a like a little love thing just the mm -hmm. the, the bullet hole my headcanon is like jessica kisses it sometimes uh mm. when they're in bed just yes, as a little like it. look what I, I did this once remember <laughs> and i love that they can laugh about remember when you shot me and it's like that's what well, that was us yeah Come exactly <laughs> um and also yeah it's like everybody looks the same and he just doesn't look like every other like right he's just not yeah. right like in today's society he just wouldn't be like a hollywood good looks uh conventionally model attractive guy that doesn't mean that he's not hot <laughs> yeah exactly those aren't those are two very different things mm -hmm. um the best of the best no uh romance novels of the 20th century mm. yes yep I think if anyone were to do a top 10 list of romance novels, this would have to be on it. Mm -hmm. So you love a bad boy or tortured hero? Yeah. I would say he's both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That that prologue for sure. I read that and I was like, mm -hmm. that's how you introduce a, a tortured hero. Like, holy crap. I mean, you're basically and ensuring it, that yeah. he's never going to have... <laughs> He's never going to have a normal anything. 
But it does such a good job of then everything that he does after that. And when he does act like poorly or he's, you know, you always you start by like caring about him so much because, you know, this like tragic story and how awful his childhood was that you're just like, yeah, but they put his head in a toilet at Eaton. So right. it's fine if he said if he calls somebody a nitwit or calls his own hus- uh, son the devil's own spawn. <laughs> I mean, that reminds me of something that I forgot to mention earlier, which is Jessica talking about how, or maybe I think she thinks it more than she says anything out loud, but thinking about how her previous work, her previous time working with young boys and how she can see the kind of the damaged young boy in Dane and how he's doing things because he, that little boy inside is so hurt. Like, I think there's a whole thing where she's like, oh, he's acting this way because he's still a hurt boy. I'm like, she's not wrong. <laughs> I just, but I love she that. Like, I love, well. yeah, like I yeah. love it. But I like that she has that insight into him and knows when there there are times when he's being difficult not to take it personally because she knows she when she learns what his upbringing had been like, she's she's like, of course, like this is all where it comes, it stems from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> It's great. It's just so good. It's so and good. then bad boys meet the virgins. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put together a list of tropes, but we could just kind of call them out. Like, you know, the Beauty and the Beast trope that was there mm-hmm. is shooting your partner one of them because yeah. then we got it. <laughs> yeah, heroin. Heroin wounds the hero or shoots the hero. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I would say it's definitely enemies to lovers because they can't like initially they don't think they can stand each other. Maybe it's more like rivals to lovers or something because they're not it's I don't think they hate each other, but they don't like each other, really. It's more that they're attracted. to I don't think they well, they're terrified of how much they like each other. Right. Both of them. Yeah. Because both of them, for different reasons, have decided they'll never end up with anybody. So they're like, this feeling that I'm having is not compatible with the life that I want to live. And so they just are yeah. angry with the other one because of it. <laughs> um, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's it called when they get married because somebody's got, about to be ruined? Yeah, I was going to say, like, caught in a compromising position. Yeah, compromised. Um, Like, or, like, the one where, like, everyone in the friend group is betting on how long long before they get together. (laughs) It gets up to be, like, a significant amount of Mm -hmm. money. It does make me want to read, because this is third in a series. Mm -hmm. Which, what's it about? Because that's also The Devil in Winter is number three. There's something about a bad boy at number three that really... yeah. I wonder I wonder if somebody needs to look into it. Like what is it because you need the previous two books sometimes to set up like I think with Devil in Winter it's because you need the back you have to build the backstory of mm-hmm. of him. Also you, Sebastian. Yeah. Before yeah. you get to that book. But then it's like, yeah, I'd be curious as to if there's a correlation between number three and in a series and something else. Mm-hmm. Um yeah best heroines in romance i think too mm-hmm. iconic heroine <laughs> yes. an iconic hero he's also iconic yeah They're both icons. uh or like not like secret baby 
because I think he knew about the baby, but like, so like at least it's well, it's more of a surprise baby to a surprise child to Jessica, <laughs> a surprise second grader. Yeah, he's like eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's would that would just be like yeah, by blow. They always call them such. Awful yeah, 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 them. yeah. But right, the the like the hero has a by blow that he you know has to acknowledge <laughs> yeah and ending in pregnancy she's pregnant at the end of the book that's right just barely mm-hmm. and then they have sex on the table in front of his mother's portrait <laughs> it's fine he's over it now he's 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 had he's in place of acceptance with it <laughs> that's um, right. Preg- i forgot she is she's a little bit pregnant she's barely pregnant she's like barely pregnant he's like you're late by one week so therefore you, that's right you know you're he's pregnant, like which is like yeah. I mean, people are late. She's like, right, right. She's like, I can't, there's no way you know that. And he's like, I know. <laughs> You're like, all right, you know what? Dane is Dane. Who are we to question his ability to like sniff out a pregnancy? I don't know. I mean, he can probably just do math and figure it out, but it's just funny. Yeah. That That's she right. Just I, completely, hasn't had I forgot about that. Right. <laughs> That's like Jamie and Outlander where he's also like, You're pregnant, I know, because I've been mm-hmm. keeping track. And I'm like Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is it with heroes that are like, You're pregnant? Yeah. And then he, and then it's before the heroine even knows. And and she's like, mm-hmm. That can't be right. And they're like, Yeah, no. It's true. Because <laughs> I know how much I've been getting it in and that yeah. hasn't slowed yeah. for five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't you haven't you haven't uh begged off because you need you know because the roads are closed or whatever (laughs) the roads are closed that's a good one um yeah well thanks so much for doing this with me do you have any final any last words on lord of scoundrels oh man i i almost can't believe it took me this long to read it but then i'm also glad that i read it when i did because i think in the years that i've been reading romance you know, I, I'm definitely like, I wouldn't say I'm the most well-read person by any means. And I'm always trying Mm to kind of branch out and, and also read further back in the genre and not just, you know, reading what's coming out now. Cause I think it's just as important to kind of know where we've come from as it is to see what we're, you know, where we are now. Um, And I also, I always like to say that sometimes books just find you at the right time. So I feel like this was a case of like, I don't know if I would have appreciated it as much at any other point. So it was just kind of perfect timing in the end. Oh, I'm so happy. (laughs) And it was all because of you. (laughs) Yes. I just bringing Lord of Scoundrels out to the masses. This is full circle moment right here. So it really is. I had no idea about that when I asked you to do this, but now it makes me so happy. I hope, you know, if anyone else was inspired to read Lord of Scoundrels from the first time from that panel, I want to hear about it. Yeah, it was a great, you should guys should listen to it if you haven't yet. It's a great talk. Yeah. Um, do you have anything that you're swooning about this week? So it could be anything at all, basically. Mm. Uh, the new season of Yellow Jacket started and I'm super into that show. Not a romance, um, but if you... No. <laughs> If you grew up reading like YA thrillers uh, in the 90s, I feel like that's like the best way to describe that show. I mean, it's definitely darker than young adult, but it's about a 
group of teenage girls uh, who were on a soccer team and on their way to compete um, in the competition, their plane crash lands in the Canadian wilderness. And they're basically forced to survive there for, I think it's about 19 months and then they get rescued, mm-hmm. but they don't, they won't talk about what happened. Um, and the show takes place both in the past timeline in the nineties when they're stranded in the woods and in the present timeline, 25 years later, they're all grown up and sort of pariahs about, you know, in society because they're, you know, the survivors, the yellow jackets who survived and no one really wants to talk about what happened there. It's, you know, it's going to remain a secret. Um, but someone is kind of sniffing around trying to get answers about what happened, this reporter. So it kind of kickstarts. There's like the mystery in the past of what really went on when they were all forced to survive. And then there's mysteries in the present. So it's a great show. Oh, and also uh, since we're on a, since we're talking about a historical romance, um, Forever Your Rogue by Aaron Langston. I just started it. Oh, I, <laughs> so, so, so for backstory, this is her full-length debut. She's She wrote a novella about the hero's brother, um, which is also out, but I haven't read it. Um, but this is her first full-length no, uh, novel, and it is so good. It's about this widow who is a single mother to two children, and she after her husband passes, basically finds out that she could lose custody of her children um, to his relatives. And so she basically decides that she needs to fake an engagement um, and potentially like pretend like she's going to get married to someone in order to maintain custody of her kids. And who better to help her than someone who might owe her from when they were younger and has kind of grown up to be a bit of a rake himself. Um, And she brings him in to be her fake fiance and it's pretty great. And he starts falling in love with her kids and it's, it's great. Anyway, it's so swoony. I read it on a train and I was captivated the whole time and I kind of cried at the end. So (laughs) it's great. I just started it yesterday and i only got to the point where she's writing him the increasingly desperate letters and i'm like yes okay but there's more letters there's more there are more letters that come and they are oh they're so good i won't say they go in both directions that's all i'll say the letters but Uh, it's great all right (laughs) you got me maybe you'll come back and talk about forever your rogue oh my gosh i would love to that one that one was another five star read for me this year so it's great Mm -hmm amazing um well i just did a talk uh with sophie jordan on monday for likewise uh we talked about her newest book uh it's the number one in the series of scandalous ladies of london and it's the countess that's out now and it's about a woman who is married and then starts having feelings and falling in love with her daughter's suitor <gasps> so it's very scandalous nice very good uh, that one jordan is like, yeah <clears throat> that one's been on my tbr forever so i gotta i gotta crack it open yeah, she's the Sophie Jordan is the best at those like impossible tropes where you're like, this is wrong. And it is, but also it's fantastic. <laughs> that reminds me of that Diana Quincy 
where mm-hmm. the heroine has a one night stand and then with someone and then the next day she finds out it's her stepdaughter's uh betrothed what's that called oh let me look it up real one night with the i can one see night with the, the duke. cover one night with the duke i think hold on i'm gonna look it up that one is also fantastic her night with the duke her night with the duke yes and the that whole series is so good mm-hmm. too i love that series so much well we have to do that at an episode of those books um amazing so carly how can people find you follow you what do you have upcoming all the stuff yeah uh probably easiest to find me on twitter even though i don't know how long that site is going to continue to exist but um mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably probably uh easy to follow me there at my name carly lane um i'm on instagram too but i'm kind of more of a stalker than a poster I just like to follow and see what everybody else is doing and like, like people's pretty romance aesthetic posts. Um, but I'm on there as Carly Lane. Perry. They're really doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I have respect for bookstagrammers and book talkers mm-hmm. and y'all are committed to the hustle. And I, I wish I had even like the slightest degree of social media acumen to like have a pre- more of a presence than I do, but also <laughs> sometimes I'm tired and I just want to go to bed and read. So um yeah, and then I guess I can also just say, in addition to being TV editor at Collider, it's where I basically try to review all the TV shows that have kissing in them. Um, I have my book. What there. a job. <laughs> what a fantastic job. It's not everything. Uh, I have to review other things, too. But I do try to mm. prioritize shows that have romance kissing. in them, at least. Yes. Um, I try to call dibs on them because that's when you have seniority they let you do those things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, and then my book, uh, A Regency Guide to Modern Life is out now. Um, you can get it in ebook, print and audiobook, which I've only somewhat listened to. But the the woman who reads the audiobook is fantastic. She does all the little voices. It's great. So <laughs> do you still have the Substack, the email or? Oh, um, well, it's funny because I moved it over because for a while, Substack was kind of having issues with promoting people uh, on that platform that weren't great. Um, so I moved the newsletter over to Letter Drop, which I have to be better about uh, updating. But it's the Kissing Books newsletter over on Letter Drop, which is almost the same size as Substack. So it's it's fine. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. So... Yeah, if anybody out there, if you want to suggest a book for us to cover, if you've read Lord of Scoundrels, if you have thoughts about anything, email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We're at Twitter uh, and Instagram at learningthetropes. We are on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, we'll have a video of this episode up. We have a video of most episodes. Uh, If you want to watch us (laughs) talk, you can. You can also see the covers as well. just search learning the tropes on patreon and you can join us there um but until next time happy reading